from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Also, you're watching on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. All of that, whether you're listening or watching, is from the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in down in Syracuse, New York. It is the place to go for every single style. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. Callaway, your golf gear, you're looking for a suit, a tuxedo, a sport coat, pants, shorts, hats, handkerchief, suspenders, Tommy Bahama, Bamboo K, Graphic Tees, Syracuse Apparel, whatever it is, you can get it all at Charney's. It is truly a one-stop shop for your dress-up and dress-down wear on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Now, keeping with the theme of this week, this entire week of Wake Up Call has been called Week to Kickoff. And during this, we have had former Syracuse players, Syracuse football alumni, join us every single day in anticipation of Syracuse football's ushering in of the 2019 season, where they will face off at Liberty in Lynchburg, Virginia, on Saturday, August 31st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We had on Monday show wide receiver Rob Carpenter. On Tuesday, we had defensive back Darius Kelly. On Wednesday, we had defensive lineman Eric Kroom and kicker Cole Murphy. On Thursday's show, we featured punter Rob Long as well as quarterback Zach Mahoney. And on today's show, we have linebacker Dan Conley with us here now, and we will have cornerback Will Hunter with us right after that to speak on the 2019 season, their time at Syracuse, the connection with the community, and so much more. So with that being said, I am more than happy to welcome back to the show Dan Conley. Dan, how are you doing today? Um, well, thanks for having me back, Dan. Absolutely. And, and, and Dan, just, you know, catch us up with what's going on. How's, how's life? You know, what have you been up to? I know we spoke a few weeks back. How's everything been going? Uh, you know, high school football has started. I'm, I'm the, uh, uh, the offensive line and defensive line coach over at, uh, Fayetteville Manlius with Paul Minch and, uh, and staff. So, uh, uh, summer ended early, and uh, our Pop Warners, I got a 10-year-old that started Pop Warner August 1st, so we've been knee-deep into uh, Pop Warner in high school and junior varsity football uh, since the beginning of August, so um, our plates are full of football and work these days. And, you know, for you to, to be connected to this sport still to this day and and obviously, you know, have a passion and a connection sure. to it always. Just, just what that means to you to be able to continue to do that, and and you know, to be able to be out there and continue to mold young minds and, and help out people that love the sport as well. You know, I, uh, I tell you this, I, I, I was the last. This will be my third year coaching the the high school team at Faithful Manlius out of the last four. Last year I got hurt, so I was unable to coach because of the uh, the rotator tear. Um, but to uh, to spend that time with a guy like Paul Minch, um, and I always thought when I was coaching across you know the East Coast, whether it was at Iona or Wagner or wherever I was at, you know. Um, it wasn't always just about football. There was there was always more to it. And you know, I made a comment that the reason that I've been so successful in life is 
is mostly due to uh, my experiences as uh, you know growing up as a football player, having great leadership at, at the high school level, and then getting to Syracuse and. I mean, really some of the great men in my life, you know, Dick McPherson and Paul Pasqualoni, just uh, leading by example. And, uh, you know, that's I've shared that with a high school team, you know, uh, I think a week ago. And so to watch Paul, you know, I, I here's I, I'll share this with you. I, when practice was over, in my mind, practice should be over. I, I hated when coaches would say, hey, let's get together and talk about some stuff. And I'm like, come on, practice is over. Let's go, <laughs> you know. And, uh but the message that Paul gives day in and day out is so powerful, and it usually doesn't have much to do with anything with football. Uh, and to watch these young kids hang on every word that uh, that he says, and that we all get a chance to, you know, share a few thoughts of how practice went, what the expectations are, how life is going. Um, it's much, it's it, it's much bigger than the sport itself, and. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, the sport, you know, the sport of football is so good because the amount, the, the investment that coaches make in players, just not on the football field, but in life in general. Speaking here with Danny Conley, a linebacker, alum of Syracuse history, also a former assistant coach at Syracuse and in our community to this day. You said that you used to dread that. You used to dread, you know, after practice having to having to hear that message and okay, you know, we just went through all this in practice and I'm I'm sweaty and I'm tired and I want to go home. And yet, you know, you're in a situation now where you're seeing the kids hang on every word and be there. Is there anything that that coaches said out out there that, you know, you feel has been uh, maybe has resonated with you? Anything that's maybe stuck with you that that has been spoken about? Are you talking Dino Babers or Paul Mitch or both? Uh, it could be both, uh, honestly. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, we've I, we've been I've been coaching for geez, I don't know, sixteen or seventeen years now. So uh, at times you hear some of the messages repeated, and you're like, oh, I've heard that before. But then you realize that you know you're you're coaching a completely different group of kids. And uh, I had an opportunity to, to talk last night on on where Syracuse was and, you know, what this Liberty game is. And, and it's what it ends up being. It's, um, uh, it, you know, I think you're going to hear Dino Baber say, hey, listen, we, we've got to focus on Liberty. You know, it's easy to look forward in three weeks and look at the Clemson game, which is sold out and really could be one of the biggest games of college football this year. Uh, if anybody's found a way to get Clemson's number, I believe it's Syracuse. Uh, but I, the message from Coach Babers and his staff, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be one game at a time, and uh, they're going to have to, and I think for the most part, even when I was playing, a little bit in the back of your mind, you'd always kind of jump forward a week or two and just kind of like, I can't wait till that Miami game gets here or that Oklahoma game, but you always had to take, you know, take care of business that week. So I think that was always the message, one game at a time. Um, and then just setting the expectations, you know, what, what are the goals? And uh, it's you know, uh, Nick Marcello has become a dear friend of mine as a as a former player at Syracuse. <laughs> um, had a uh, you know had um, has taught me about goal setting. And you know, a- after I left Syracuse, I've kind of got to a point where I, I stopped setting goals for myself career wise. And uh, you know, so that's when when Nick would say, "Well, there's a reason why you haven't set any goals then, because if you haven't set any goals for yourself, then you, there's no chance of you failing." And I looked at him and I went, oh, my God, Nick. I said, you got me. You're exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's 
it's something that we talk about with the kids as far as setting goals for themselves. You know, do they want to, do they want to be a, to participate, you know, participate on, you know, special teams, or do they want to be a starter on offense or defense, or do they want to be all conference? And how are they going to get to those, you know, um, you know, you have some young people, so I'm going to work harder. And then a coach would come after me and say, no, you better be working as hard as you possibly can. What's going to make, how, what's going to make you go from being a, a starter to an all-conference player? And then all of a sudden you start to think about it, and you go, you know, i got to come up with a game plan. And that's when you, that's when you kind of break through and, and, and really start to grab a hold of a young man. Uh, so there's, there's a whole lot of messages out there in, in fall camp. Um, you know, most most importantly, we got a scrimmage tonight, and it's just focusing on the scrimmage tonight, not what, you know, in a week from now we're going to be playing Liverpool in the Carrier Dome. Um, just staying focused on the task at hand is really, I think, the message early on in fall. And speaking here with Danny Conley, the former linebacker of Syracuse, also former assistant coach with the Orange as well, and a great person in our community that we're happy to have here, obviously, day in and day out. And you're welcome. And, and you know, Danny, for you to to look forward to this season and, and know that, you know, Liberty is here and, you know, this game is already upon us. Like you said, uh, summer ended early for you, and it's hard to believe that, you know, we're sitting here during the fair and we're heading in our, to our last weekend of the fair and, 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 and all of a sudden Syracuse football has crept up. It's Saturday, August 31st. It's 6 p.m. And that first game is already upon us. What are your, what are your thoughts about, you know, the season just finally being here and, and knowing that, you know, this is, this is a reality. I mean, 2019, you know, 10 and that 10 and three season that has lingered and, and been on the minds of so many for so long. I feel like I was just at Camping World Stadium down in Orlando. I feel like I just finished up my interviews, and, and now it's 2019. It's a new slate, and Liberty's on the weekend. Just what your take is as they head into the season. Yeah, I, um, I, I couldn't, I, you know, shared with you a couple of weeks ago. I just, as an alumni, I couldn't be more, more proud of what they've accomplished from, from the kids, the staff, and how it's affected the community. And the excitement that I have, you know, I, I think I shared with you, you know, I was a coach and a player for, 20 plus years and being a fan is new to me and I'm trying to learn how to be a fan and you know um, when you're not a fan and you're not invested that much you don't feel pain when people lose but you know I've become a fan of the basketball team over the years and you know to see them have success or lose a Big East game back in the day you'd, you'd feel a little sick in the stomach or you know work when you know the next day on Monday you'd go to work and you'd kind of be bummed out a little bit well the excitement here in town with with how well the Orangemen, the Orange have uh, played, and you know I got a chance to go down to that Camping World Bowl, and the excitement. Um, it's I think it's as high as it is anywhere in the country. The expectations, uh, you know, there's um, there's a lot riding on the quarterback position. I think that's the main focus in my mind. You know how well Devito's going to play. Um, you know my my son's playing quarterback at FM and, and I watched this QB1 on Netflix or whatever the heck it's on, whatever platform it's shown on. And to watch how these young quarterbacks are developing at such a rapid pace, uh, I you know it's not taking these kids a year or two to get into a program, get into the system and get the experience and then start to be impactful. I watched the Clemson game last night and that kid, the quarterback, you know, they said he was he was the best quarterback in the country as a sophomore. Well, DeVito's a pretty good football player, and uh, I happen to think, uh, just personally, I think he's going to be an NFL kid. I think he's got he's got great throwing motion. He's he's a really bright kid. He's athletic. I think he's got all the tools. And uh, you know, I've got a chance to meet him a couple of times. I I see him 
Bruin picking up. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that's that's the key to this this year. Not to not to put all the pressure on him, but if he can get the ball rolling quickly, um, I think these coaches at Syracuse have figured Clemson out, and uh, they um, you know they beat Clemson two years ago in the dome. You know, the dome is a really difficult place to play in September with the air that doesn't move. Uh, and they've just, uh, they understand schematically and, and, and how to attack what Clemson's doing. So um, <clears throat> it's, um, I'm kind of giddy a little bit. We're, you know, we've already got a party playing tomorrow night, uh, you know, to watch the game and big barbecues and friends are getting together. So it's, it kind of seems like old times, although I never got to partake in a tailgating part of it. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And like you said, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're giddy over it. You're excited about it. And, you know, I, that's just, you know, to me, that's, that's what people have been waiting for. It's what, it's what, you know, the fans have been waiting for. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to obviously uh, numerous, you know, former members of the Syracuse football team, members of this brotherhood, including yourself. And, you know, some of the people that I've spoken with have talked about, you know, a detachment from the university. They didn't feel the love. They didn't feel appreciated. They didn't feel a part of anything. You know, maybe some former coaches shut the door and, and didn't let them in and whatnot. So, you know, for you to say that you're, you know, you're giddy, you're excited, you know, it, it gives me a hope that, that not only the fan base and not only the supporters, but that you and the former players on this team are maybe starting to feel at home again. Maybe you're starting to feel that, the doors open there again. Is that safe to say? Uh, I, I, you know, I, there, there's been a handful of meetings from some of the local guys with, you know, the the, uh, the athletic administration, and you know, I think, uh, you know, I was a part of one of those conversations, and um, I, I think our, our goals are are aligned, where uh, you know, former players are welcome back at Syracuse and it, and it wasn't always like that. And it has a lot to do with some of the people that were here in the past. Um, there were coaches here that didn't want the alumni involved with the football program for whatever reason. Uh, those people are gone. And the meeting that I had with, you know, Herm and, and John Wildhack was nothing but positive. And, you know, I, to the point where I even had mentioned it to John and I said, listen, nobody's upset with where we're at today other than, you know, we do believe that we could create better relationships between the former players and, and where we're at and feel, and feel part of it. And uh, John and Herm and, and that executive group at the, uh, in the athletic department have, have, have reached out and, and they're starting to mend some, you know, some feelings and um, they're just taking the right steps to start to bring some of the former players back into the mix. And it's easy. And I'll just, I'm just going to be the, 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 the real big elephant room. It's easy to do that when you're winning, you know, guys want to jump back on board, just like me. Um, you know, when, when we were down, it's, uh, it's easy to kind of just say, yeah, you know, well, we're down. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fact that they've done so well, it's, <clears throat> I think we're all trying to work towards, uh, you know, feeling like we are part of the university, like we are part of the athletic department and the football program again. And I think you'll see that, um, you know, we're, we have a huge alumni weekend for the Clemson game, and it, then it became the homecoming weekend. So the amount of people that are going to show up to a sold-out Carrier Dome to watch Syracuse play, the number one team in the country, um, you'll see the support. And uh, I, I do think that uh, we're moving towards rectifying some of the issues that we've had in the past. 
Speaking here with Syracuse uh, football alum, linebacker Dan Conley, and former assistant coach as well, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Dan, for for you, like you said, you know, it was detached in the past, and, and now, you know, that's changed. Is that, you know, do you feel that Dino is a part of, that opening of the door has has it been? I mean, I hear so much about John Wildhack and and what he's done to open it. Do you feel do you feel the love from Dino? Do you feel that? I mean, Dino didn't play at Syracuse. He didn't come from Syracuse. But do you get a sense that maybe he gets it more than some of the former coaches do? I mean, how do you assess that? Um, you know, I, you know, I remember I was at the Turning Stone. Scott Schaefer was the head coach, and I think he was he was. Uh, a coach on the staff for six or seven years and um, he made a comment he said you know I've been here longer than most of you guys except for Conley so you know <laughs> I, I, and I feel like I'm one of you guys and uh, I, you know with with success comes acceptance you know uh, you go out and you win 10 games everybody's going to be embraced after that season and what, what I would share with you is I did get a chance to go to that December banquet which is the first one the after the season banquet that uh, that the football club used to hold, and it was the first one that Dino actually participated in with the kids um, since being hired. And he made a comment at that place, and he said, "You know, there's there's a reason why new coaches come in and kind of build a wall and are very protective of the kids within the program, and they're cautious to outsiders. You know, because you don't know." when you bring a guy in like Dino, who's, you know, not a Syracuse guy and you don't know the community or you don't know who the players are, who the, who the impact people are, who the people you got to stay away from are. Uh, so early on you build that wall and you, you make sure that you got really good people inside of the wall. And then as you start to get a little bit more comfortable in the community, you start to open it up a little bit. Well, he made a comment said, it's about time that we start to open this up to our Orange family. And he was talking about the alumni and uh, that was a really special moment. And then Jim Duran got, got on stage and he made a comment. And I may have shared this with you the last time I was on the radio, but it's been it's been so powerful to me. I kind of I feel it. You know, Jimmy said, he goes, you guys thought you signed a one year renewable contract for four years to come play at Syracuse University. What you didn't realize that you signed up for forever orange. You will always be a Syracuse orange orangeman, and uh, you'll always be one of our brothers. And I'm 70 years old, and you guys are 20 years old, and there's a connection there that nobody can ever take away. And uh, it was really powerful. And to to think that you know Coach Babers and his staff are starting to open up and understand that we're all here just to support and uh, and cheer on those kids and that team. Um, it's been uh, <clears throat> I. I uh, I got a chance, I don't know if I shared this with you last time, but I got a chance to go down there and you talk about being a big time recruiter. So I took my son down to the first day of um, spring ball and he's being recruited by lower, probably lower one, one a like the Colgates and, you know, probably some of the Mac schools in theory. And uh, so we showed up as, and he was showed up as kind of like a recruit. And uh, so we showed up and, Every coach came up and said hi to him and knew, hey, how's Coach Mitch doing? How's this doing? Coach Babers come up to me, give me a big hug. He goes, you know, you're one hell of a football player. And I was like, oh, thanks, Coach. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Where do I sign? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm ready to go. And uh, he, he spent some time with my son, but just um, the short amount of time. And I, 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 I purposely try to stay on the outside 
it's just a fan these days and it, it's easier you know you don't you don't need to get i don't need to get that involved with the team other than support and and you know going to the games and cheering the kids on and always enjoy going to the events where they're at and uh just meeting the kids you know it's just um that's enough and uh it's it's been much appreciated amongst the alumni that they've opened up and embraced us yeah absolutely and and for you to you know have that is special and it's good to hear that you know there is a connection there and that there is you know a desire to have that because i mean for me in my opinion it seemed like uh, pretty simple that the best selling point for anything is is to take somebody i mean for me in business the best way to bring in a new client is to show them you know the clients that have been here for a long time that appreciate it see the value and love it it would be the same thing for Syracuse football the best way to you know, bring in somebody new, a new recruit for 2020 is to bring back a Dan Conley or a, or a Rob Drummond or, you know, a Will Hunter will be up in a little bit or, you know, any of these guys and put them in front of you and say, okay, these guys went through the program. They're, you know, they were successful in football. They went and coached here. They're, they're successful in the next chapter of their life. I mean, it, it seems like a pretty easy, everybody should get this notion of you bring the former players in because successful people that have come through your program can sell it better than anybody else. I agree with you. Uh, I don't, um, it just, that to me is common sense, you know, and I don't know how people get off track or groups get off track and lose sight of that. You know, I have, I have a buddy of mine that was one of the greatest players in college football back in the mid eighties, somebody that I looked up to and, um, you know, he said, you know, he made a comment, uh, you know, a year or two ago we were talking and, you know, I was just bummed out that I kind of felt, you know, separated from my own football team. And he said, you know, Dan, he's like, we're nothing, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but we're nothing more than a commodity. And I said, well, that stinks because I, 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 because Syracuse is so important to me. You know, my wife used to say when she dropped me off before, prior to me coaching at Syracuse, I coached the Syracuse summer football camp for 16 years in a row. And she used to say, she's like, boy, you just light up when you come back here. And I go, it's just, that's where I met my wife. That's where I had, you know, so many unbelievable experiences in the Carrier Dome and on the university in central New York. So it's been such a great place for me. And I, and I want to feel like I'm embraced, uh, like, uh, like it's important to me, you know, and, uh, like the amount of time and effort that we put into, uh, playing football for not only the university, but the community, um, that was all really important to a lot of us and to feel accepted and, you know, to walk down the street and people say, Hey, you know, I was at the fair yesterday. I had a couple guys come up and just say, Hey, you're a really good player. I really appreciate your efforts. And, uh, it's, it still just means the world. So when my buddy told me we we're nothing more than commodities, I was, I was, I was in a tank for a little while, but I do have to applaud the, uh, the athletic administration and, uh, that, uh, they are making strides to, to, you know, bridge the gaps <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, hats off to Dino and his staff and those kids for, uh, you know, accepting us as uh, former players and, you know, um, fellow fellow Orange, uh, you know, alumni. Yeah, and, and, and as we look forward to this and we look at these current players and, and what they're doing and, and what they're going after, we're now – we're now in a place where, you know, this is uh, this is different than what Syracuse has experienced in recent history. You know, we look at the first time, you know, lat- this past season, they went 4-0 to start the season for the first time since 1991. We look at the fact that it was the first time since 2001 they were ranked in the AP and the coaches poll top 25 at the same time during the season. 
this season. They get ranked in the preseason AP. They get ranked in the preseason top 25 for that and, and for the coaches poll, which has been a long time for that as well. And on top of all of that, the ACC media, and I get to vote in this as well, and, and the majority of the media in the ACC kind of votes from the Carolinas out and, you know, so there's a lot of focus. Obviously, Clemson's a strong team, but there's a lot of Carolina focus. Syracuse always gets picked last in the Atlantic Division. It's either seventh or sixth. You know, I th- they've always been at the bottom of the barrel for the six-plus years and whatnot. So this year, I picked Syracuse to finish right behind Clemson in the Atlantic. And to my surprise, the majority of the ACC media did the same. So, This team steps into the season a lot different than other seasons, a lot different than the past four seasons, plus that they have a preseason ranking in the AP, they have a preseason ranking in the college, in in the uh, coaches poll, both in the top 25. They're picked to finish second under Clemson. They're not sneaking up on anybody this year. They're getting respect around the country. There's a bunch of guys up for different awards around the country. There's preseason accolades. What's your advice to the team? Because they've been the underdog. They've been the team that nobody thought could do it. Now they have people up for awards. They have rankings. They have predictions that are high. What's your advice to the team this year, knowing that they're coming in a lot differently? I, 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 it would be very simple to keep on doing what they're doing. Uh, they are having just a world of success. I, uh, to take a team that goes four and eight, four and eight, and then win ten games in a year, uh, <clears throat> you know. Syracuse used to have to rebuild. You know, in 1990, it was Kevin Mitchell, Marvin Graves, Shelby Hill, Pat O'Neill, myself, five redshirt freshmen started. And then when we finished back in like 93, 94, whatever it was, I was a year later than those guys. But then you had to replace all those positions. And, and we played the entire games, you know. Uh, I think with the way that Dungy played and DeVito got his reps last year, you don't necessarily have to rebuild the quarterback position but somewhat reload and I think that's where teams like Clemson and Alabama uh, have the advantage because they play so many kids that get real life game experience that they aren't necessarily having to rebuild after you know they have three of their defense linemen get drafted in first round the next first round draft choice guys come in and pick up where the other guys left off but the fact that Syracuse is actually getting legitimate three and four star kids I, I remember the first time we were starting to talk about getting a four-star kid and i was like how in the heck can you get a four-star kid when you're four and eight i mean unless there's a hook and his mom went to you know cba or whatever or you know uh you know we weren't we weren't getting four-star kids and and somehow they just started pulling a couple of them here and there and then you now i would tell you i think syracuse could walk in, there i think syracuse could walk in any high school in the country and recruit any kid in the country and to to do that in the span of a year and a half to two years, I just I, I think they I think Coach Babers and that staff pulled off as close to a miracle in, in a great way. And uh, those kids bought in; they believe in each other, they believe in that staff. And uh, I just think they continue on the path that they are. That's the best advice I could give them: is to keep on doing what they're doing, as it's working. That coming from Danny Conley. Dan, before I let you go, you kind of addressed it a little bit, but what is the biggest positive on this year's team, and what is the biggest question mark, in your opinion? Um, I think the biggest positive, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, this staff has been together for some time. Um, there's some continuity. I mean, when I was 
we had six coaching changes within three years of working with Doug Marone. I mean, that's two-thirds of the staff was hired and fired uh, within a two-year period. I, and I, there's a couple coaches that their sons play on my pop. One of the couple of the Syracuse coaches, boys play on my son's pop water team, so I get to see them once in a while. And uh, I, I, I believe in my heart that <clears throat> they, they really enjoy coaching with Dino Babers. And I think they... Uh, from the way I listen, they just think the world of them is a person. Um, they're loyal, uh, and there's a continuity there. Uh, that, that's really special. And the other part is, is they've gotten those kids not only to believe in the coaching staff, but believe in themselves. We used to, you know, we used to joke that you know we used to have to, you know, get kids to believe in themselves. You had to fake it till you make it. And uh, I don't know if that's what they did, but. Um, the amount of confidence that this team has being around the kids that first spring practice that I went to, they were bigger, stronger, and faster than any team I've ever been around. And, uh, it was just really impressive to watch them operate and, and function. And just, uh, it, you know, I was, I was overwhelmingly impressed and, uh, couldn't be more excited for this kickoff on uh, tomorrow night. So, you know, for you, as, as you step into this, one of the question marks that's been brought up, you know, as we go into this 2019 season is the linebacker core. You know, we, we've looked at, you know, what's happened with this team. And if we go depth chart wise and, and, and take a peek at this, as we've done all week long, you know, we've, we've looked at the fact that Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson, the two bookends to the defensive line, have obviously not only done well for Syracuse, but their national exposure is there, and they're both up for you know an award this season and, and have some prominence with that. So there's a positive on that side of things, and in the rotation of the defensive line, there's pieces of that as well that you know we've seen guys like Kenneth Ruff, as well as Brandon Berry, Josh Black, Kingsley Jonathan, all a piece of the D-line. <clears throat> and then as far as the secondary is, I would venture to say that this secondary has more depth than it's had in probably over a decade. And with Chris Frederick out there, Afatu Malafonwu, uh, Antoine Cordy, you know, still here and, and still has an opportunity as he's gone through injury and still granted more time. Uh, Evan Foster, uh, Devon Clark, uh, Scoop Bradshaw, and then, of course, the youngsters that we've seen in Andre Sisco and, and Trill Williams. And I know that Trill's kind of roving in different places. But, you know, when we look at the linebacker group, over the last couple of years, they have lost guys. They lost guys that were four-year starters all the way through. And then, you know, last year, guys that had built their, their way up in the program to be where they were. So now it's on the shoulders of some faces that we've seen in rotation. And really, you know, the the main guy is, is Andrew Armstrong because he's, you know, got the most time. What are your thoughts as a former linebacker at Syracuse about this linebacker core is it the biggest question mark of the defense and, and just what you can say about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of leadership that's moved forward in the last couple of years. There has, they've, they've graduated some really good players, um, you know, and, and a handful of them got an opportunity to go play in the NFL. I, uh, you know, I saw a short little interview with Hugh Freeze earlier in the week and he was talking about, you know, uh, how stacked the defensive line was. And, you know, you mentioned all those guys on the secondary and the back end. I mean, they've, they've got, you know, when they can put their best 11 guys on the field that are healthy, um, they can line up and, and play against anybody. Uh, having some newness at the linebacker position, it's it's healthy. That, you know, you're going to have, you know, four to five guys rotate at the interior tackle just because of the size of those guys. 
but you got two of the better ends in, in college football playing on the uh, on that defensive line. So, you know, I, that's going to help the young guys. Um, you know, the inexperience. I I remember. Uh, uh, you know, it's. And I don't know how they'll call the game tomorrow. I'll be interested to see how they call the game. But usually, uh, don't be surprised to see some blitzes from linebackers early on and get those guys comfortable and uh, see if he could get a little bit of success and gain some confidence early on in the game. So, But they're they're surrounded by some real, you know, not only experienced, but really successful players. So, um, And they've been well coached after, over the last couple of years. I think, uh, I think it's... Uh, Brian Clark, right, is, is working with the linebackers, Coach Clark. Um, just really, uh, when I watch a play, they, you know, they remind me, they start, and they're starting to look a little bit different too. Um, bigger linebackers. We used to we used to recruit a lot of smaller linebackers. So I remember last year when they, they moved one of the defense ends and played, um, what was his name, uh, ended up playing linebacker last year for him. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Well, um, you, you mean one of the – well, we had uh, – Kenneth Ruff has gone back and forth between linebacker and D-line as well. Yeah, there was one other young guy that uh, that moved from D-N and played linebacker this, this past year. One of the ones um, that, that – st- are you talking about one of the guys that ended up starting? Yeah, he started. He graduated. Um, but it, it was the development that takes place with those guys happens quickly. Yeah. So I uh, – where, where it may be a question mark for some – uh, you know, it, it may be the area where they have the most inexperience, but I think they have they got a really strong surrounding cast, so I think they'll be fine. Yeah, and uh, one of the guys, I mean, he's he shifted uh, to a bunch of different positions uh, from from special teams to safety to linebacker was Kylan Whitner last year, and also Ryan Guthrie. Ahead. Yeah, Guthrie was yeah. one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. So, and Guthrie, I mean, that, he was another tremendous success story he was a guy that came in didn't really hear about him special teams you know not really in the rotation worked all his way up to being a starter and, and outside of giving Eric Dungy the camping world MVP I, I put a thing out there for Ryan Guthrie and said listen if we could do offense defense and special teams you know Guthrie should have got the defensive MB- MVP of that game because he he did a lot of things in that game and he saved some plays and and you know, he tremendous effort and just his story in and of itself. I mean, this is a guy who could have given up and he never did. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm usually at a Pop Warner field on Saturday, so I don't get to see a lot of the Syracuse games. Uh, I, I can't remember which game I caught last year, but I, uh, I saw him on a delayed blitz and he, he tattooed a quarterback and uh, I was like, Oh my goodness, who is that guy? (laughs) And I started following him and uh, learned about the story about being a, you know, you know, a linebacker and a defense end to, you know, then he lost some weight and went back to play linebacker. It's just a a good feel good story that the, you know, the young man ended up starting his senior year and had so much success. And he was a rock for those guys. And just to, you know, He's one of those guys who reminds me of the old school, you know, um, old school linebackers. Uh, uh, just really enjoy watching the physical play. And he was he was just one of those bright kids that seemed to be in the right place a lot of times. Absolutely. And uh, finishing up here in closing with Danny Conley, Syracuse linebacker, alum, and a former assistant, uh, assistant coach for the team as well and a big-time connection for our Week 2 kickoff as we step into the 2019 season. They're at Liberty. They're at Maryland. Three-game home stint, Clemson, Clemson West, Western Michigan, Holy Cross. On the road at NC State, home pit, 
at Florida State, home BC, at Duke, at Louisville, home against Wake Forest. They only have two times this season. They have back-to-back road games. It's to start the season and right before the end of the season. Overall thoughts on the team, some people are saying, I say eight comfortably if the offensive line, because there's been so much movement there, if they get it done, the linebackers step up and Tommy DeVito does his job and everybody else kind of stay, you know, if they stay where they're at or or boost up a little bit, I think this team can get to eight safely. Some people are saying 10. What are your overall thoughts on, on this season as you look at the schedule and the team that we have? Um, I, I, I think I, I believe in my heart they beat Clemson. I really do. Um, I, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'd go on a limb. I think they win ten games. I think they win 11, eleven games. They may they may drop a game to a team. I was just talking to somebody the other day about the, the ninety two team that lost to Miami sixteen thirteen, and and they went on to win a national championship that year. And I said, you know, we finished that year ten and two. I go, you know, who else we lost to that year? Tulane. I go to a 500 Tulane team that wasn't very good that we just lost to. So, you know, I, um, to, to go undefeated throughout the school, you know, the, the, the year I think is next to impossible, even for the national championship teams like Alabama's and the Clemson's. Um, but I do think Syracuse beats Clemson in week three, or I think it's week three, right? Yeah. Week three. Um, I do think they beat them on the 14th. And, uh, I, I, uh, I've, I've, I've got this wishful thinking that Tommy DeVito's just coming. He's going to come in and not miss a beat. And the question mark on defense with the linebackers will play well enough to win games. And uh, I want it. I, I bet you they win. I, you know, I'm bet you. I'll bet you. And I hope they win ten games again this year with a win over Clemson. Big words coming from Dan Conley and a lot of support and a lot of positivity. I love it. I'm feeling it. It's good. It's nice to hear positive feelings and vibes going around this program uh, final piece here dan nine thousand at least new season ticket holders it, it beats a new record that syracuse had uh, the the record that they used to have was a little bit over i think 8300 new season tickets from one season to another so over nine thousand new season ticket holders a sellout for clemson i have told college game day that there's nowhere else to be in week three. I mean, they, they got Florida, Kentucky, Iowa, Iowa State, and Pittsburgh, Penn State. Outside of those games that I think that they would consider, you know, it's clear to me that there's no better place to be in week three on September 14th than here in central New York when Clemson comes in to visit and face off against Syracuse. Last time it happened that Clemson came into the Dome, they were a reigning national champion. Same thing this year. And when they came in two years ago, they got sent out with a loss, which very, very few teams due to Clemson. I think in a two-year span, it was Alabama and Syracuse that defeated Clemson. So thoughts on the the, the new season tickets and, and that new record? And then secondly, what are your words to college game day? Do they do, Is it even a choice at this point? No, I don't. I mean, I, I you know, the only game that you mentioned that would have any – validation of bringing college game day in is because the history of the game is the Pitt Penn State game um that that really good quarterback I think is graduated out of Penn State uh you know uh, this is my this is a a real true opinion Joe Moorhead was the reason that Penn State had that run 
that Matt McCorkle quarterback. Um, Joe is a, is a buddy of mine and probably one of the brightest. He's a head coach of Mississippi State now, one of the brightest football coaches out there. So the success that Penn State had, I think, may have run its course. Uh, you know, Narduzzi's one of your old school punching the face kind of Michigan State. You know, yeah, he's kind of a Pittsburgh guy. So, you know, but I don't see that game having the national uh, presence that Syracuse Clemson does. You know, so Syracuse ends up beating Clemson. I mean, you're talking playoff ramifications already. Pitt beats Penn State. Who cares? You know, it's uh, it, it does have a ton of tradition, but I don't know if that game holds much weight anymore. Iowa, Iowa State, you know, it's not, it's a Midwest game. It's a regional game. It's not one for college game day. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, and I think, you know, I, I do think it's easy for me. It's, uh, you know, I think Syracuse goes out and does their business the next two weeks and comes into the Clemson game. I, I think they do everything right to get, to basically force college game day's hand. And, uh, and, you know, I remember back in the Miami Syracuse days in 94, 92 when game day and ABC came up here and Keith Jackson and, and Lynn Swan. And, um, that, that was a, that was a great show. And, uh, I, I would, I'd feel that the orange are put on very similar. Uh, I just, I got a feeling today that they're going to be Clemson and it's going to be one of the biggest victories of the season. So that and one of the biggest victories in the country for sure. So yeah. With, with that being said from Danny Conley, Dan, as always, I appreciate it. I thank you for your time. I thank you for what you're doing, Pop Warner-wise, and, and what you're doing with the kids at the high school and everything. And, you know, you always have a place here on the show, and, and, and I, uh, I do. I greatly appreciate that not only you did so much as a player and as an assistant coach, but that you came back to this community and, and did so much for it. It really does mean a lot. So if you don't hear it enough, then then hear it from me here today that we appreciate the fact that not only did you do it back then, but you're helping the community now and you're and you're helping people outside of yourself, which builds the community. So thank you for that. Uh, I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you very much for having me on and wish you guys the best.